Hi, friends. This is episode two of the Bible Lab podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for episode two. I'll tell you, we have a life-changing episode for you this week because it's going to change your perspective of God. And part of what we do in the Bible Lab community is to try to clear up the misconceptions of God. There's so many misconceptions out there, and it's my belief that that's probably why there's so many atheists and and people that believe that God is angry or vengeful, and and they're afraid of him. They want to hug Jesus, but they're really afraid of God the Father. And we've got to clear up that misconception because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so today... I cannot wait until you get to about the middle of today's episode. We start out today by kind of pulling the the average thought of our community. What what do you think God was doing when he hardened Pharaoh's heart? Because scripture tells us in Exodus 7 and onward that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And that doesn't make sense because if God is hardening Pharaoh's heart, it, it, it means that God is coming in and imposing his own will on Pharaoh. He's changing Pharaoh's mind, and that just doesn't fit the character of God. One of the things that we do in the Bible lab, one of the controls that we have is God is love. And anytime someone brings a new teaching or a new thought, we always run it through that control and ask the question, does this teaching say that God is love or something less? Because we believe anything less than love is heresy. And so as we look at this, no, a loving God would not impose his own will, would not, when Pharaoh's ready to cave and say, yeah, you can have the people, take them out of Egypt, would God say, no, 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 no. I've got five more plagues and I I haven't used them all. And so I'm going to change your mind until I get to punish you and, and punish your people like I want to until you finally after the 10th plague, let my people go. It just doesn't fit the character of God. And so today, I can't wait until you listen through that and you see why we have a misconception. And it's a literary problem. It's because in English, we have one word for harden, but in ancient Hebrew, you're going to learn two today. So I can't wait for you to celebrate with us at the end of this episode to learn that you have the most loving God and a God that has great plans, not simply to save you, not simply to save the Hebrews, but it appears that God was also trying to save the Egyptians and Pharaoh as well. That's the God we serve. So I invite you to brace yourself and get ready for life change today. Welcome to the Bible Lab. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been able to change someone's mind by using force, physical, political pressure, or an ultimatum? Have you ever been able to change someone's mind by using force? Okay. Those of you that say yes, who would mind sharing? Raise a comment card if you wouldn't mind sharing your experience. Back here. I would say as a parent, uh, parents can exert force. Uh, to get their children to comply. Uh-huh. Especially forced to certain padded areas. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but um, unreasonable force or force not followed by discussion and, and love, I think is counterproductive. Okay. Breeding a rebellion. Okay. Great point. Anybody else uh, over here? Jordy. Or should I say, should I say it? Dragon. Dragon Slayer. We learned that last week. See what you missed. All right, go ahead. Um, I worked at summer camp 
yes. as a counselor, and you are trying to, you have one week to undo parental mistakes on the children that come. <laughs> so we have to try to teach the kids to eat vegetables, to not get a full plate of jello, all that stuff. Yeah. And you need lots of. To take a bath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need to be putting, although it can't be physical force, you definitely have to be forcing things. Okay, yeah. Good. Anybody else? Okay, I'll go to the, the okay, back here, Mary Kay. That's just changing their behavior, not their mind. Oh, I was waiting for your comment, Mary Kay. Because if you look down at the next bullet, that's my question. That's my question. Now, does this method change someone's mind or just their action? Their mind, or as Mary Kay said, their behavior. So the question is, and it's tough for us. How, how many of you have kids? How many of you have kids that are already grown? Okay. How many of you have kids that uh, you're scared to death because they're not teenagers quite yet? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we're worried because we're putting on the pressure. We call it discipline. They call it punishment. But we're going through this discipline, trying to put enough pressure that they would be so afraid to do certain behaviors that they will never do those behaviors, right? We want to change their action. Please don't be the stinky kid in class. Take a bath. Please wash your hair. It smells horrible. Please, don't pick your nose. Whatever you do, please stop that action. And so we put a lot of force. Please talk nicely to people. Please say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Please do your homework. We, we exert a lot of discipline. You're going to lose your privilege if you don't do this behavior. Does it change their mind or does it just change their actions? Sometimes it changes both. Uh, by discipline, sometimes when they realize there's consequences, it changes the mind about replicating that behavior. Mm -hmm. I had a child from the church here. Parents did not believe in corporal punishment. I said, if you leave your child with me and he puts his life in danger, I'm going to warm his bottom so that it changes his mind about doing that. Well, he kept running in the street and he said, you won't spank me. My parents never spanked me. The third time he did it, I warmed his bottom and he <laughs> never ran in the street again. He thought about it, consequences. Mm -hmm. Okay. So sometimes both. Okay. I'm gonna come back to Nancy right here in the middle. There are times when uh, change of mind follows change of behavior. So uh, we're, we've got children again. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, if you can get the behavior to change, why the attitude and the mind also will begin to change. Yeah. And that it works. Okay. I, uh, when, when you first said it, and I, I assumed you meant it the other way uh, by saying by changing mind, it changed behavior. That's, that's a given. My question is, does changing behavior consistently change someone's mind? No. What if they're stubborn? Because we all know, we all know when we've had a good kid. But technically, you don't know that that's the good kid until you've had the other kid. Right? Exactly. Over here. As a parent um, of two teenagers now, um, I think I would want my children to make the right choices and obey because they understand 
that takes time. Um, so for me to say, you know, out of fear, you know, you're going to do this, it's, it's a little harsh. I don't think God wants us to obey out of fear. So okay. for me, having my child understand the reasons, and that takes time for them to understand. And there's consequences. But bottom line, if the child is able to understand the reasons why and they understand in their mind with time, mm-hmm. I think that you get a better result. I don't want my child to resent me yeah. for the rules. Exactly. And you started with the word understand, which all happens in the mind. Good. Aaron. Um, this is uh, on a related topic, but with most people, uh, <clears throat> if you if you coerce them, you won't, you won't find that they'll agree with you in most circumstances. Dale Carnegie says that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Yes, absolutely. How many of you have read uh, Eugene Peterson's uh, autobiography called The Pastor? Has anyone had a chance to read that? Uh, Eugene Peterson is the one most notably uh, for, he's the one that interpreted uh, the Bible called the message. He, he wrote the message version of the Bible, uh, a paraphrase, beautiful, uh, poetic uh, retelling of scripture. He tells in his autobiography about this bully who was an atheist. And the bully every day after class, he and his goons would be there and just beat him up to a pulp until one day uh, the bully had said something and, and just got... Eugene, so upset, I think he was nine years old, so upset that it, he just turned into a different person. I know none of us understand or have ever experienced us turning into another person when we're that angry, but he did. And he grabbed a hold of this bully and got the, got the upper hand, slammed him to the ground, and, and was pounding his face with his fist. And while he's pounding his face with his, with his fist, uh, he's saying, admit Jesus Christ is your personal savior. Admit and accept Jesus Christ is your personal savior. And he keeps beating him until finally the bully does say, okay, Jesus is my personal savior. And he goes and he says, I, I had my first convert that day. <laughs> but even he recognized the fact that by force, you can't change someone's mind, especially on the spiritual level. And that's where I want us to take a look at. And let's open up our Bibles to Exodus chapter 7. Verses 3 and 4. Would someone be willing to read? Thank you. Back here, uh, Diana. Um, Exodus chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. Ooh. This is a tough part of scripture. You've read this before. You've heard people talk about this before. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh was ready to let the people go. He was ready to relent. Okay, you guys can go. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. What have you heard about that? What have you heard were the reasons that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? Yes, right here. I think it has to do with the nature of the human being, how the response is. So for example, wax, if it is exposed to heat or to warmness, it melts. 
whereas other substances may get hard, like an egg, for example, when exposed to heat. So Pharaoh was exposed to, to God. He had an encounter with God repeatedly, and his response was to harden his heart. And so it depends on the kind of human being that you are, how you react when you are coming face to face with God. Okay, so what you're saying is that, and it's great, um, what you're saying is that God didn't change Pharaoh's mind, that Pharaoh, because of who he was as a substance, whether he's a candle or an egg, um, Pharaoh hardened his own heart because of who he was. God didn't go in and actually change his mind. Okay, very good point. Yes, back here, Diana. Okay. Well, uh, one thing is uh, that we shouldn't forget that uh, the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, presents the truth from the Hebrew mindset, worldview, which is totally different concerning Greek. Yes. You see, and Hebrew mindset works from totally different uh, angle. It has the so-called block thinking. And here, when we speak about Pharaoh, we have exactly the same amount of texts where we read, God hardened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh, Pharaoh himself. You know, that's 50-50, we can say. Because in block thinking, uh, uh, Hebrews showed, okay, uh, that specific truth from human perspective or from God perspective. In human mind, in a Hebrew mindset, there are no contradictions. There's nothing like that. Everything fits very nicely, and that is one of the things. And as it was said here, the very nice example was about uh, wax and also, let's say, butter. One and the same sun. And what is happening at the end, we see totally different consequences, totally different uh, results. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this uh, text uh, confuses many people, but there is no confusion. Because Greek thinking is very, uh, how to say, abstract. And yeah. Hebrew is uh, concrete. Totally concrete, absolutely. Yeah. You, uh, what you see, what you taste, what you smell, totally different. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's uh, it. An incredible point. Thank you so much. And we're glad you're here all the way, do I understand, all the way from Africa? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. Yes, down here, Terry. Uh, as growing up as a non-Adventist, I always looked forward to the Ten Commandments on TV. That was one of our big things. And I go back as far as watching it in black and white. That's how far I go back. <laughs> Anyways, my thought when I was... It's okay. Some of the people go all the way back to hearing it on the radio. Oh, okay. Here. It's okay. Go ahead. Uh, my thought was when I listened to the weekly warm-up thing was that maybe he hardened Pharaoh's heart because if he hadn't, the other signs wouldn't have come. Maybe his hardening gave God the opportunity to have all those other things happen so that the Israelites knew for without a doubt that I am God. I am who I say I am. I will deliver you like I said I will. And, and slightly maybe because there were other Egyptians that were not quite where Pharaoh was in his, um, uh, I don't want to say religious belief or whatever, but maybe their hearts could be turned as well. So when I think about it, if the, his heart hadn't hardened, then the plagues would not have uh, showed up because then they would have left. Okay. I've heard that a lot. I've heard, you know, God needed, God had 10 plagues, all right? And guys, I've spent a lot of time planning these out. Uh, we're at like four and you're ready to give up? Please. Um, I got six more. Uh -huh. Yes, back here. I always hated hearing that it sounded like God 
hardened his heart in order to achieve this. But what we've heard here today, I really like a combination of it, is that if Pharaoh was of a certain mindset already, and it's like with the parent, if you say, don't do this, and I do it anyway, and I get angry about it, my heart is hardened by the set of rules, not because of the parent, it's something within me. So I like the analogies that we've heard of the egg and the difference in response, and it makes more sense that this is Pharaoh's response, mm -hmm. you know, not just to achieve God showing his power. And it relates to an earlier class where God said, I am. And so if Pharaoh is thinking, you know, I am the divine or whatever, and you're doing these things, I can't control it, fine, I'll let him go. But his heart, his mind has not been changed there. Hmm. For sake of time, we got we to gotta go to the next question. But very good input. Do we have in recorded history any time that God has changed someone's mind? He's, he's literally against their will. He's imposed his own will on humans. Do we have any examples of that where God has imposed his will to change someone's mind? The uh, classic example is Jonah. Jonah? Jonah. Okay. He didn't want to do it. Yeah? Okay. And, and Paul. Later, in other sermons, I've heard that Jonah was profoundly qualified to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's why God wanted Jonah to do it, because he was qualified. And maybe that's why God wants us to do things, because we're qualified and competent to do something. Yes. My question in those instances, because I, I think there's beautiful examples. I look at Jonah. Here's this guy. He, he's got no guts. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh to, to preach the good news. He's got no guts, so God swallows him in fish, and as Max Lucado says, surrounds him by what he lacks, guts, so that he can fully fulfill what he's always been made to do and, and to be. The question is, did he change their mind or he changed their direction in, in those instances? And that's, 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 a, that's a good question. Okay, back in the back, right here. Don't forget Paul. And how did, how did God impose his will on Paul? You, you said change mind, not impose will. It's written on the study guide, so I'm okay. <laughs> I'm covered. I, th I think you're right. I think you're right. In these instances, he changed people's minds. He changed their direction, but he does it in a specific way. Is it possible that with the nature of God being the same yesterday, today, and forever that God is using that same tactic, that same method on Pharaoh and all the Egyptians. And that's what we're going to take a look at right after this comment. I have to disagree. I believe God never imposes his will. I think if we consistently resist, the worst thing that can happen is he gives up. We cut ourselves off. Absolutely. And we have to be careful. I'm glad you said that because we have to be careful in the tightrope, theological tightrope we're walking because the ultimate accusation of the enemy, Satan, is that God is not fair. God is not fair. And because we are in a system of choice, there has to be some unique way that God introduces himself, imposes his desire... But we choose to do his will. 
And that's what we're going to take a look at. I'm sorry, I see the cards. I love you. It's not that I don't want you to talk, but we are short on time. So we are going to step to the next uh, little bullet point here. Scripture uses two different words for hardened in the story of the Exodus. It uses the first one, chazachalev, which can be translated as courage or strengthen, to encourage your heart, to build you up, to make you feel confident. The second word it uses is chabad halev, which means stubborn. Both of these, use, or these words are used in Scripture every single time you read the words hardened his heart. Whether it says Pharaoh hardened his heart or God, the Lord, hardened Pharaoh's heart, one of these two words are used. So let's take a step into the linguistic world here and see if it makes a difference of what happens. If you look at your study guide, you look at Pharaoh hardened his heart. For the first five plagues, you do not have the phrase, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. You only have the phrase in the first five plagues that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And in those situations, I have it listed here, the very first one, Exodus 7, verse 22, it's the plague of the Nile turning to blood. And in that, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And the word that's used there is chazak, which means it's okay, he still had courage. He didn't lose his courage. He still felt strong. He still felt in control. It's okay. We had this plague, but I'm still in charge, and I'm still God on earth. Then the second plague comes. Frogs. Exodus 8, verse 15. And at the end of this plague, when all the frogs go away, it's all cleaned up, it says, and Pharaoh hardened his heart, and it uses chavad which means he's stubborn, which means he was beat down a little bit. He, he didn't have the courage he had before because he just went through one plague. Oh, yeah, we can take it. And then you have the frogs. Oh, man, maybe we can't take it. And you see in this situation, Moses is trying to show the, the attitude that was displayed by Pharaoh was one that he was beat down a little bit but he was so stubborn, even though in his mind he started to question whether Yahweh was real or not, even though he had questions whether he was wrong or not, he still was stubborn and says, no, you can't have the Israelites. So on comes the third plague in chapter 8, verses 19, which is the gnats. And at the end of the gnats, it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart, and it uses which means he had courage again. I think he had courage because he had courage in the first one. Yeah, we made it through it. We're still in charge. Second one, he's beat down. But the third one, even though he had been beaten down and was stubbornly saying, even though I'm questioning myself, I'm not going to let them go. I'm going to be stubborn. After the third one, he's like, we've made it through three. I, I think we're going to be okay. And he gets his courage back. Starts having the strengthening of heart. And then we get to the fourth one in Exodus 8.32, the flies. And we also get to the fifth one, livestock, which shows he's beginning to get beaten down. 
twice in a row. He's not going back to courageous. His heart is starting to falter. He's starting to believe he's going to lose. But he digs his heels in, in stubbornness. His heart becomes stubborn and obstinate, even though he probably knows he's wrong. He becomes stubborn. It's only after he begins to exhibit a very consistent reaction of stubbornness that God steps in. And it's in the sixth plague. Sixth plague, boils. Seventh plague, hail. Eighth plague, locust. Ninth plague, darkness. All of them use the same word, chazak. And all of them say, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. But if you were to translate it, interpret it into the difference between the two words, it would say, and the Lord gave courage to Pharaoh to act upon what he really thought. Even though he was beaten down and felt like, I'm going to lose this thing, God gave him courage and strength of heart to say, this is what I really feel, what I'm really passionate about. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't give up. I want you to enact what you really believe. I want your mind to stay where it is. I want your mind to be encouraged so you can see with your own eyes what your own beliefs take you to. I don't want you to relent get upset because the traffic cop has pulled you over and now you have to pay a fine. And I don't want you to crumble just because the penalty is so high. I want you to truly enact what you believe, which tells me something here. God's plan A quite possibly could have been to not just save the Egyptians, but to save all of Egypt as well. Millions of people in that population. Can you imagine if that population actually was converted and believed in the one true God? So according to the linguistics, it appears that God is doing something very special here. He's not changing Pharaoh's mind. He's not changing his heart. He's strengthening his heart. Do what you really feel. I don't want you to wimp out on me. You say you're a God, I'm a God too. Let's go toe to toe. I'll enact my will, you enact your will, and let's see. I want you to have courage. I don't want you to give up. And what it shows here in Scripture is that God wasn't trying to impose his will onto Pharaoh. He was trying to strengthen the will of the Pharaoh to let him enact what he really believed. So with that in mind, let's look at the backside of your study guide. Why do you think God chose to strengthen Pharaoh's resolve instead of breaking him down? Comment cards. Yes, right. Isn't that the ultimate question? Who is the I am in my life? Yes. Excellent point. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Uh, I don't think that God goes to change your mind in the sense that he just changes what you think. He gives you additional information, reveals more about himself so that you can make your own choices, which is what happened in Paul, yep. where he gave him additional information that Paul may not have had. Yes. Know? So perhaps he was trying to do the same thing in this case. Absolutely. And thank you for reminding me to bring it back to Paul, because that was brought up earlier. 
In the same way, what had Paul chose to be as a profession before he was knocked off the donkey? A priest, a representative of God to the people of earth. He was already in his being a person committed to God. When God knocked him off the horse, he didn't change him into someone who now is representing someone else. He said, I just need you to represent me well. I need you to go through your experience of stubbornness. And what we see with Paul's experience of stubbornness, of trying to wipe out, he's heading to Damascus to wipe out this horrible Christian plague that's beginning to spread. God knocks him off the horse and says, why are you doing this to me? He doesn't change what God made him to be initially. He just helps him become what he really was made to be by helping him see differently, to change his perspective. All right, anybody else? Anybody else in this last question? Yes, ma'am. If God's purpose had been to overrule, overpower, he could have had that long ago. Why bother going through this whole experiment? Hmm. But because he wants to persuade and convince, hmm. that's why he puts up with our stubbornness and mm-hmm. with our resistance and so forth. Absolutely. And not, not taking away from what you said, but to add to it, it's because he gave us choice. He created mankind with a choice. He didn't make us mindless creatures. He made us with a choice to follow and to seek him, to talk to him, to learn, to become more like him. Exactly. Yes, back here. Truth either hardens or softens the heart. Yeah. And God leads us into all truth, and the truth is God. Yes. So the more he reveals of himself is what we want, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the whole purpose for what we're doing in the Bible lab, is to allow God's character to speak for itself. And then we can't help it but fall in love with it and develop into it, because by beholding, we become changed. Exactly. Uh, One more comment, and then I need to... Yes. Yes, sir. Question. Could the experience of Nebuchadnezzar bear show this matter of how God deals with stubbornness. Yes. Do you feel like it's consistent? It seems that way to me. So do I. Because especially when you look at Nebuchadnezzar's prayer right after his experience, this beautiful prayer defining the very nature and character of God. Exactly. In closing, in our personal lives, how do we need to be mindful of this characteristic of God? And I'm not going to have you answer this one Um, publicly. But I want you to sit here and and think just for a moment. In your own personal life, you just heard what God did specifically with Pharaoh. We've seen how he also did it with others. He did it with Jonah. He did it with Paul. He did it with Nebuchadnezzar. He did it with a slew of, of people where he changed their direction. Unfortunately, Pharaoh did not change his direction. He remained steadfast and stubborn. Because in his heart of hearts, he was the center of the universe. In his heart of hearts, he was God. And the loss that he would have suffered had his kingdom learned that there was a one true God and it wasn't Pharaoh, he would have lost all that. We as well, in our own lives, in our own kingdoms, we've got everything set up. And our greatest desire is to make life comfortable. And to look at this and see God might come into our our lives 
and might change our direction, change our viewpoints, change the way that we're either holding on to things or letting things go. In our own personal lives, we have to say a deep prayer today. God, are you strengthening my heart and giving me courage to do what you're asking me to do? Or am I hardening my heart, becoming more stubborn in what I want to do and what I want to get out of this life? Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. It's my hope that you really felt God's presence moving on your heart while you listened to this episode. And I hope you had a conversation in your mind as well with God. Now, I cannot wait until you listen to episode three, because this is the one in which God gave Moses three magic tricks to share with Pharaoh to explain that God is real and who God is. Now, God could have chosen anything. He could have chosen any magic tricks in the world. Why did he choose these three? When you hear why God chose these three, it once again will just open your mind to who God is, the character of God, and why he does what he does, and how he is truly loving, and how his desire is to save mankind. So I can't wait for you to listen to episode three as we go through the first three magic tricks that God gave to introduce himself to Pharaoh and the Hebrews. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab Podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10.30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.